This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. We're already seven games into the new Premier League season. It's been brilliant so far and yet again we have another blockbuster in store this weekend. Liverpool versus Manchester City. Two sides who have gone hammer and tong in recent years in a wrestle for the Premier League title. But who will land a body blow on the other on Sunday? The title race has really spiced up already with Manchester United losing last week, adding to the ingredients. Can they respond against Everton on Saturday after it was cometh the hour, cometh the Cristiano midweek? A full programme of Premier League fixtures to dive into today here on The Dugout from Football Social Daily, a brand new show for the season featuring players who have been there and done it at the top level. I'm Niall McCorn and delighted to say back in the dugout with me this week to look ahead to the action, former Leicester and Brighton man, Dean Hammond. How are you doing, Dean? I'm very well, now, Very well, mate. Good to have you back on the show. And we've also got ex-England and Everton player Trevor Stephen with us too. How are you, Trev? I'm very good, Niall. Thank you very much. Now, I didn't want to bring this up, but I feel like I have to. We're going to really have to power through these 10 games because we do have a full programme and Dean Hammond has got to go and sort his gnashes out at the <laughs> dentist after this. So we better make sure... Well, we should never mention that. No. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the first and the last time I mention it, Dean, but I just had to get it out there, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, well, talking about uh, the Dazzlers, the Dazzling Clash this weekend is Liverpool against Manchester City at Anfield, 4.30pm kickoff on Sunday. It was a huge win for Manchester City last week, Trevor, away at a title rival in Chelsea. Can they do it again against Liverpool? Because they look quite accomplished against Chelsea. Liverpool are also a tough side. Do you think they can replicate what they did last week? Uh, Well, they're capable of anything, aren't they, uh, Man City? But I have to look at this week that they've had, you know, going to Chelsea, going to PSG and then having Liverpool. I mean, what three games, you know, the exertion... Watching the, the Champions League game uh, midweek, they put everything into that. That They wanted to put one over on PSG and come come out with exerting a lot of energy uh, and no points and being on a bit of a down from that particular game. Of course, if we go back to the, the Chelsea game, that was just vintage Man City. Um, playing without the number nine, being able to work the their system uh, quality of pressing, quality of individual uh, performances, right top, right at the top bracket. Uh, and Chelsea have had the opposite. They've had a bit of a down week. So can can Man City maintain it? I, do, I don't see them getting beat. You know, I really don't see them getting beat. I fancy a draw for this one, you know, because Liverpool themselves, they've been, they've been travelling during this week. Um, but, yeah, Man City are showing that they're going to be contenders, you know, with the level of performance that uh, they've put in so far this season. Yeah, I mean, if City do win, Dean, that'll be six points in two games from two title rivals. A lot of people at the start of the season were saying Chelsea were the favourites. 
But even though City and Chelsea have already lost the game, Liverpool haven't. But if City do beat Liverpool, let's just say that does happen. Does that establish them as the new favourites for the title already? Just seven games in. We've had a change from Chelsea to City. It probably will change again. But what do you think? Tough on a call, Niall, because I'm one of the the, the people that tip Chelsea for the title. I think they're very, very strong. Um, But Man City can be whatever they want to be. Like Trevor's mentioned there, they were fantastic against Chelsea. They really were. Back Back to their best. The, the way they pressed, the way they dominated the game in possession. Um, but look, it's hard to call because I think there's probably four favourites, three favourites, let's go. Man City, Liverpool and Chelsea. United, Man United are still a little bit indifferent. But Man City with the players they've got, the, the combination, the partnerships they've got all over the pitch, you know, defensively with Diaz, um, I think he's fantastic. Uh, Laporte is brilliant. Grealish is coming to his own. Kevin De Bruyne is coming back from fitness. Jesus looks like he's got a little bit of a more freedom and a new lease of life with Aguero not being at the football club. So Man City are the champions. They'll want to uh, hold on to the, the Premier League title. Um, so it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be a really interesting season and this will go all the way to the last couple of games. But if Man City perform like they did against Chelsea, they've got every chance. But also, I did cover the game against Southampton and they looked a little bit flat in that performance. They looked a little bit um, as though... You know, they were just going to turn up and win the game. So they have been indifferent at times. But when they're at the best, I still believe they're the best team in the league. Yeah, definitely. They'll want to make a statement against Liverpool, much like they did against Chelsea last week. Just because I think these two sides, Trevor, over the last couple of seasons, they've been the front runners, haven't they? I mean, it's kind of gone back and forth. There was that amazing season where City got 98 points. Liverpool somehow managed to get 97 and didn't win the league, which is still amazing to think of now. But they did manage to win it the following season. And then City have taken it back. So actually, in terms of a rivalry that's brewing between these two teams, Liverpool and Manchester City, it's quite an exciting one, isn't it? Oh, it's brilliant for the league, isn't it? Uh, but you've got to an- analyse it. Uh, Liverpool, uh, particularly in the in the pandemic, um, not having Virgil Van Dijk for that season where they were off off beat a little bit, uh, Man City picked it up um, and won what was a very difficult season. But you know, it wasn't a vintage season because we had no fans, and you know, but the quality of play was still very high. But not, I think, at the same level as this one is going to need to be to win the the, the title. So yeah, I think um, uh, I think City, for me, are still going to have to find. I think in the January window, someone else up front to score the goals. Because Dean said there are moments in uh, in the season where they do go flat, and you need that alternative way of of uh, being maybe more direct. And everyone talked that Harry Kane would have been the perfect um, sort of piece of the jigsaw for them to to have in their squad. <clears throat> but then you look at it as well and say, well, Harry Kane would have to sit on the bench for quite a few games because Guardiola wants to play it a certain way as well. Uh, and it seems to me that Guardiola doesn't really want to give up his beliefs. Uh, he wants to play in, in a certain manner and he'll win in that certain manner or he will lose in that certain manner. Uh, and I think that that may come to bite them. But um, it, it, it's just a tremendous uh, rivalries that we've got uh, between that top four or five clubs now. And the quality of player, again, has gone up. It's been fantastic. It's fantastic to watch. So exciting. I don't know how we can actually sit here at this moment and consider who, who are favourites. <laughs> There's a pile of them, right? You know, it, and it depends on, on what injuries might happen, what happens with VAR that are going to decide what, what the, the, the final outcomes are. Um, and it's that close and it's of that higher standard, I think, this season. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that's just me playing devil's advocate, trying to be a good presenter and ask you what the favourites are. But I I totally agree with you in all fairness. Yeah, definitely. Um, It could be any of of three, four, even maybe five teams because often you see teams make late surges and go on runs of form. It is incredible at the moment. But do you think Liverpool are being a little bit underestimated, Dean? I mentioned just a minute ago, they haven't lost yet. This is probably their toughest league test, but they still seem so ruthless going forward. And in terms of their chance creation, I watched a Champions League game. They played against AC Milan a few weeks back. They should have been out of sight in the first 20 minutes. They could have scored four, five, even six in that game. Wasn't to be in the end. They still managed to get the job done, but they they, they look formidable at times when they go forward, don't they, Liverpool? They do. They look like they're, they're back to their best. Uh, they're playing with that freedom. That, I mean, the front three are 
are fantastic. You know, Salah looks like he's got the bit between his teeth again, looks hungry for goals. Mane, again, misses chances, but is still scoring and creates so many chances because of his movement and his pace. And Jota, I love him. I think he's a brilliant player. I think he's been fantastic for Liverpool with and without the ball. He sets the tone in terms of the press, but he's got real quality as well and brings something different to them. And like Trevor mentioned there, Van Dijk has been a, a massive return, not because of his quality and the player he is, but I think it gives other players around him a bit more freedom. You know, Jordan Henderson in midfield, Fabinho has been able to play in midfield, so that's been settled. And then that allows the forward players to be a little bit more creative, have that little bit more freedom, don't have to come back and cover as much. So Liverpool, uh, yeah, I, I've got a sneaky feeling that they're going to be the ones who will push Man City or Chelsea's closest. I'm not sure they'll win it because, again, like Trevor mentioned, I think it will come down to squad depth. I think that will be really, really important. It will come down to the luck of injuries because if Liverpool suffer one or two big injuries, there could be a problem. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that has to be a concern if you're a Liverpool supporter. If you look at the benches, even Manchester United, who we're probably saying are, are the least likely of the four we've picked to, to be in contention, their bench is one of the strongest in the division, whereas Liverpool 1-11 to are probably one of the best sides out there in Europe even. But on the bench, do they have the depth they need? I'm not so sure, but that's just my opinion. Liverpool against Manchester City, the big game this weekend at Anfield. That's a Sunday 4.30 kickoff. Now, talking of Manchester United, they were beaten last week at Old Trafford against Aston Villa. They're back on home soil this week. They welcome Everton. This is the lunchtime kickoff on Saturday. They managed to get a huge win to kind of redeem themselves after that Villa loss, Trevor. They beat Villarreal in the Champions League. A late Ronaldo goal. Um, I mean, he had his shirt off. He looked like an Adonis again as he ran towards the corner flag and celebrated. But do you think that late Ronaldo goal maybe papered over the few cracks that United have had in recent times? Do you know, I, I was watching the game and I'm I'm not anywhere near being a Manchester United fan, but, I, you know, they should be positioned terrifically to, to be creating a team, forming a team that looks like a team. It doesn't look like a team to me yet. Um, there were two highlights in the game when Tellers volleys one in and Ronaldo gets the last uh, the last minute winner. Apart from that, and there was nothing that I could say was a strong, powerful message to uh, to anyone. Um, the, the, probably the biggest message of the night is that David De Gea, De Gea is back to his best. He saved Manchester United without a doubt five or six times. So it's it's kind of worrying, but I look at last season and they, they they hung in there. They're not pleasing on the eye. I don't think they've got a style that is consistent. Sometimes they press, sometimes they don't. And when they do press, they don't do it all together. It's a little bit hailty piggledy, you know. It's it's not convincing. Um, what do you put that down to then? Is that is that to do with the coaching, the manager? Is it just new players? What's the kind of answer to that? Do you think? Uh, I think it's. I think it's got to be the manager, you know, to be quite honest. You know, with that group of players, I think there's maybe not clarity about the message, how he wants to wants to play. I don't know what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer team is meant to do. I know what Klopp does. You know, I know, um, I, I know obviously, uh, what Guardiola does and what, what they're trying to achieve. I'm not sure what Solskjaer is trying to, how he's trying to get to the winning post. Um, and it, there seems to be some confusion there's also, for me, a difficulty with Fernandes in the same team as Ronaldo. If you look at Portugal, when they play together, um, Fernandes is very much the sort of shying away violet in the corner. Uh, and, and Ronaldo takes centre stage. And I still think it's, it feels like that a little bit at Manchester United. They've got quality, but that, we're not seeing it yet. And whether it does click into place, um, we'll, we'll have to see. But I'm not guaranteed, I'm not really sure that it will, under Solskjaer particularly. Maybe your point is encapsulated by Fernandez's penalty miss so late on against Aston Villa. I mean, he didn't do his usual hop, skip, yeah. jump, run up and blazed it over the bar, which is unusual. There's some doubt, you know, there's some doubt in, in the mind. There's not, there's not that uh, strength of purpose about some of the performances that you see. Uh, and Fernandez is definitely one of them that he, he's just not, the player with Ronaldo in the team, I'm sure that can change. It must be able to change. These are quality players, but you've got to get that jigsaw right. And I still feel like it's a bit of a model. 
Obviously, the game this week's at Old Trafford, Dean. Do you think that that has a part to play, Manchester United's home form? Because away from home, they're on this amazing historical record-breaking run of, I think, 29 games on the road in the Premier League without defeat, which is more than what the Arsenal Invincibles had back in the day when, you know, they were at their their best. So there must be an issue there in terms of home form that maybe those powers that be at Manchester United will need to address because it's all well and good being amazing and unbeatable on the road but if you can't win too many home games you're going to find it difficult throughout the season. 100% I think that comes down to the expectation I think there's a huge obviously a huge expectation at Old Trafford with the fans being back in and, and Ronaldo signing which is an amazing signing in terms of football and commercially for the football club but that brings its own expectation as well an added pressure on, on the manager an added pressure on the team I think they've lost a little bit of that fear factor. Teams that used to go to Old Trafford would think, okay, this is going to be a difficult afternoon. We're not going to get many opportunities. They're going to probably score one or two, so we're going to have to score. But I think teams, you look at the Newcastle game, Manchester United won 4-1, but Newcastle were in that game for 60 to 65 minutes. And it was one all for a long period of time. And I think you get chances at Manchester United. So if you can defend well, um, then you always get an opportunity. And I think that could be the problem. Away from home, when you play away from home, the home team, there's an emphasis on them to attack and there's more spaces for the for the forward players. There's more um, space to get into one-on-one situations to, to show their ability. But I just think at United, they're missing that, that glue in the middle of the park. I think defensively, they're pretty strong now. I think they've made some very good signings. There's a, a continuity, a relationship between the players. Attacking-wise, they've got so many options, you know, probably even too many to keep them all happy. But I just think that glue in the middle of the park, they struggle. They're not, the midfield players are not at the same level as the defenders and the attackers. Do you, and Dean, do you know um, uh, how I see it with Man United? Is that they're, they're actually a counter-attacking team. They are not capable of building pressure like a Chelsea's capable of building pressure. Um, and a Man City build pressure. They move the ball quickly, but they in possession, in possession trying to find that way through. Man United have not got that in their armoury. And, and probably somewhere in between the two is, is where Liverpool are, because they're a bit of a mixture of, you know, a bit of directness uh, and pressure building. Whereas Man United seem to, and, and this is the away form, they, they benefit because they can counter-attack. You know, that's what it seems like to me. No, I agree, Trevor, because at Old Trafford, they haven't got the midfield player. This is just my opinion, obviously, being a midfield player to dictate, dictate the game, to control yeah. the game, to go and get the, the ball off the back four, to switch play, to play that four ball that was split the lines. They're, you know, Fred, McTominay, they're all they're, they're good players. They're very good Premier League players, but they're not Man United players. There's a difference. You know, the top four players, you look at Man City, look at Chelsea, you look at Liverpool, they've got exceptional players all over the field. I just think that's where Manchester United should. I think it's an interesting point you raise and actually maybe it is that player who can sort of be the metronome in the middle and someone like Yves Basuma I think does that really well at Brighton just kind of takes control of games and um, can, can pop the passes off and can also muck in defensively when needs be what about your old team then Trevor Everton do you think they can capitalize on what's been a, a bit of a dodgy spell from Manchester United uh, well, Everton have got um, momentum Right. Although last week's performance against Norwich wasn't particularly convincing, but they, they scored at the right times, uh, delivered the result that people would have probably forecast, but it wasn't a brilliant performance. Um, they have played well on a couple of occasions this season, but it's a bit, it's, they're grinding it out. Uh, had a couple of blips along the way, but as we stand at this moment in time going into this particular game, there is a there is a confidence about Everton, and there's not that much pressure on them, um, you know, going to Old Trafford because I don't think Everton really forecast that they would be in the position that they are top five um, at this stage of the season under a new manager and Benitez, who would probably have to find his feet a little bit. Uh, new players coming in, uh, would they adapt and would would they adopt Benitez uh, his his works and how, how um, his guidelines for play, etc., his structure. But it's worked really well, particularly with the the guys who've come in. And Andros Townsend, again, needs to, to be mentioned. He has taken his game up to a level that we've not seen for several years when he was actually featuring in England squads and, and playing for England. He's back up there. He's regenerated himself uh, and is excited about the challenge and he's being pushed. Damari Gray has been terrific. He adds 
spark. Right? And Everton fans have not seen a great spark for quite a long time. And he gives them that. And all right, it's early in the season and, and he has been criticised in the past for not continuing his form into the, you know, the deep depths of winter, disappears a bit. I mean, that's his challenge going forward. But yeah, I think Everton are in with a chance of at least getting a draw against Man United, for sure. Some might say they haven't seen Spark since you were playing, Trevor. But <laughs> that's up for debate. Everton travelled to Manchester United. Half 12 kickoff on Saturday. Final game we're going to discuss before we go to a quick break takes place at the bridge where Chelsea welcomes Southampton. Southampton go into this one, Dean. Four draws in their six games so far without a win yet. One of about five teams who haven't picked up three points in the campaign so far. What do you think the mentality will be for Southampton and Ralph Hasenhurtle, because in the games that they have drawn, they haven't played particularly poorly, but still yet to have a win must play on the mind a little bit. It will now, 100%. But the performances against the bigger teams have been excellent. Defensively, it's really changed at the football club. Last season, very open, create opportunities, exciting to watch, but we concede a lot of chances and concede a lot of goals. And that's been a difference this year. The pressing game, is more organised. Last season, it was very individual. Uh, players just going to press on their own. Now it's set and organised and they'll press as a team. The, the, the performance of Man City was exceptional. It really, really was. Man City were flat, but Southampton were very good. Again, at home against West Ham, could have won the game, but defensively looked very, very strong. Um, and the draw against Manchester United. So they do need to find a win. And I think the challenge for Southampton now is to find that balance between being defensively better but still being open and being able to create chances and still being effective. They haven't quite found that balance yet. They missed Danny Ings. Danny Ings was, was a big player for them. Adam Armstrong's come in and done okay. And I think he will score goals at this level, but he's not been given the chances to really, you know, he's probably had two or three chances and scored one goal. His goal against Everton is a prime example through one-on-one brilliant finish. So they just need to find that balance, but they need to find that win because otherwise they're going to get themselves in a little bit of trouble. And when you're not winning games, that does affect your confidence. It does affect your belief. Um, But they're doing okay. They're not far away. Um, But the only letdown is the Wolves' performance. It's a game where you expected them to win. If they'd won that, we'd be be talking very differently about Southampton. Yeah, 1-0 defeat to Wolves for Saints last week. As for Chelsea, back-to-back defeats for them. We've... Briefly touched upon it on the show already, Trevor, but Juventus and Man City, no real shame in losing to those two sides in a seven-day stretch. But no goals scored and a performance midweek against Juve, which Thomas Tuchel called strange in his own words. Do you expect them to bounce back against Southampton here? I do, to be to be honest with you. You know, when you've got Lukaku in your ranks and it's had a quiet week, you expect something to happen uh, at, at some point. Um I think Tuchel will demand it from his players. I think the players will demand it from themselves. I think they got a bit of a shock against Man City, to be honest. Um, looking at the quality that Man City had on the day, I think it, it took Chelsea a little bit by surprise because they had massive momentum as well going into that fixture and they had um, the benefit of a, of a, uh, a home game. Uh, it didn't look like that on the day. And I think it, there was a bit of a hangover from that in the Juventus game. Uh, you know, football moves fast and furious. In four days, they've lost two games from what was a super healthy picture. And like Dean, I was forecasting Chelsea had the squad to to go all the way in the league. So they need to they need to nip it in the bud. They need to get a really strong performance. Um, I, I feel that they will. I think they'll get back on on the bike and get uh, get going. Uh, and as I said Tuchel will, will demand it from his side, and they can't afford. You know, even at this at this stage, to let a little gap appear in in, in, um, in the title race. You want to keep there and thereabouts. And back-to-back losses um, in the Premier League should not be in the Chelsea DNA with that squad. I'd agree. It doesn't feel like you can lose too many games this season if you want to be a title contender, such as the quality of the Premier League. Chelsea welcome Southampton Saturday, 3 o'clock. Time for a quick break here on Football Social Daily. The dugout, but still more Premier League action to discuss after this. The dugout, Premier League preview, Football Social Daily. The dugout, Premier League preview. Football Social Daily. 
Welcome back to the show. This is Doug Out from Football Social Daily. My name's Niall. I've got Dean Hammond and Trevor Stephen alongside me. And we're going to talk a clash of 19th versus 20th now as Burnley welcome Norwich to Turf Moor at three o'clock on Saturday. Both sides currently without a win, but one significantly feels worse than the other. I'm talking about Norwich, Dean. They just look lost to me. The reason that I think this is, is because maybe there's too many scars from the last time they were in the Premier League. Daniel Farker's on a 16-game losing streak, the most of any Premier League manager in the history of Premier League football. So it's really not looking good for them at the moment. I, I just feel that maybe there's too much baggage from the last time they were in the Premier League and they, they feel like they can't really shake off that cloud that's over them at the moment. It's, it's an interesting uh, conversation, I think, with Norwich. I think that you could look at them and, as a club and players are potentially too good for the Championship but not quite good enough for the Premier League. Um, you could say that about the manager as well. Um, they had a tough start. I mean, they conceded 10 goals within the first three games and when they were in the Premier League last season, they started the Premier League season on fire, you know, some surprise results. But I was listening to a podcast the other the other day, actually, with, with Stuart Webber, the, direct, the sporting director at the football club. And he talks about how they're building the club from within. They're, they're working on the, the, the academy and the training ground. So Norwich is a, a club for the, the generations to come. Uh, he talked about the values at the football club and what they're trying to do. And he said that the hardest bit of the football club is getting it right on the pitch at the elite level. And they struggle with that because of the finances because they're not willing to put to buy too many players and take a risk because they know if they come down, they'll bounce back again, potentially a bit like West Brom did a few years ago, they kept going up and down. So I think they understand the model of the football club. It's difficult for fans. It really is because you get to the Premier League, you work so hard and you want to give it a real go. But I just think they're just short in quality and it, it just shows, but they can change that round. A couple of results can do wonders for your confidence. But I, I think, it's going to be really difficult for them this year. I like what you say about Stuart Webber. We actually had former Norwich man Matt Jarvis on the dugout a couple of weeks ago and he was saying the same sorts of things. Stuart Webber is, is highly respected and he's very straight talking and I think he's got a plan in mind of how he wants Norwich City to look. As for Burnley, Sean Dyche signed a, a new four-year deal at the club earlier this season. They haven't won yet, your former side, Trevor, but it took them until eight games last season to get their first victory. Sean Dyche, he won't be pressing the panic button just yet, will he? Uh, no, because he can go uh, off uh, what was happening at the start of last season, as you said, in your eight games. Um, you've got to be a strong mental character to be able to come back from that, to be quite honest with you. And if you turned it to that sort of stat towards Norwich and you don't feel that Norwich can turn that around. You know, to be quite blunt with you, I, I think they are really on a slippy slope. And this game particularly is uh, is going to be a real benchmark for that, uh, for Norwich. Um, I have seen Burnley a couple of times and I was at the Everton game and they, they did really, really well against Everton, but Everton got the result in the end. Um, it would be ironic, would it not? You know that Burnley go down in a in a season where Sean Dyche has committed himself to the long term. Um, you know, funnier things and stranger things have happened in football. But I just think he's he's so well versed in putting a team together that can you know get the results when he absolutely needs them, and also throw in one or two surprise results, which um, you know Burnley have done over the years. That's what's kept them in the league. Uh, you know, to be quite honest, apart from the one season where they got European football. Uh, it's been quite a journey for the Burnley fans. Sean Dyche is the future for them. That's why he's committed. And I don't think that Burnley will um, have a problem. Uh, you know, ask me this again in about another five to ten games. I think they will come through and get themselves out of that bottom three. I can't say the same for Norwich. Uh, they just don't seem to have that, as, as Dean alluded to, the quality of squad. Uh, and he's... Um, uh, his point was very well uh, put that yeah, their players actually sit between the Championship and the Premier League in the main and you just won't survive at that level. You need real investment in um, in the club uh, and Stuart Webber is obviously driving that club towards uh, being able to be self-sustaining uh, and if you're going to be doing that, you've got to make, you've got to pay a certain amount of wages and we know how the game works now. You've got to pay people uh, to to be to attract them to your football club, uh, and that's what their biggest challenge has been, I think, in the last few months. 
Well, only seven games in come this weekend. Burnley against Norwich is the clash of the bottom two teams in the table at three o'clock on Saturday. The evening kickoff on Saturday, 5.30, takes place down on the south coast at the Amex, where Brighton, who have had a great start to the season, welcome Arsenal, who arguably haven't. You've watched a fair bit of Brighton. You know a lot about Brighton, Dean. They've impressed me. They've impressed a lot of people so far this season. This should be an entertaining game, should it not? It should. It really should. You know, Brighton are sitting... What, sixth in the Premier League? I think if they'd beaten Palace, they could have gone top and that would have been the first time in the history of for Brighton being top of the Premier League. Um, but it's an interesting with Brighton because they're actually, I believe they played better last season, but they're more effective this season. They're still performing very, very well, but they're getting the results now. And I think that comes with experience, comes with maturity. And I think that, that includes the players and the manager. There's a really good relationship between the two now. There's an understanding from the fans as well of what expected and what how the team is trying to play. But they've got some very, very good players. I mean, Basuma is a top player. How he didn't go in the summer, how there wasn't an offer for him, I'm not sure. Mopai looks like he's got his belief back when he was lucky when he was playing in the championship for Brentford, when he believed that he could score goals and he was confident. He's getting chances now and he's taking them. You know, his finish against Crystal Palace on Monday night was exceptional. It really, really was, you know the last minute of the game, to think it over the goalkeeper like that. But yeah, I'm excited for Brighton this year. I think there's real progress at the football club. I think they'll probably drop a little bit lower than where they're at, you know, but could they aim for a top 10 finish? Could they have a cut run? I think that's realistic. And with Arsenal, you know, they're improving. You know, we've all questioned Arsenal. There's no hiding away from it. We all question what's the identity, where are they heading? But the last three results have been exceptional. And if you look at that first 45 minutes against Tottenham, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And it's great now but you see the younger players coming through from Arsenal getting the chance. So I think this will be an entertaining game. I really do. And I think there will be goals. Yeah, definitely that North London derby win. You're right to pick it out. Do you think that could provide the fuel that Arsenal need to kick on, Trevor? Yeah, there was a lot of pressure on them, wasn't there, going into that game. And you're just wondering whether they've got the backbone to, to rise to that challenge. Of course, Tottenham you know, they were so poor on the day. Um, that would have obviously helped uh, the uh, the game plan for Arsenal. But it, it's amazing how football can change because that was doom and gloom time, wasn't it, Arsenal, for the first few weeks of the season. And you were looking at uh, Mikel Arteta and thinking, is that really a top-class manager we're looking at there? Um, he certainly turned it around and he's got the young players gelling a little bit better. He's getting more effort and purpose from the more senior players. Obama Yang's reappeared from somewhere. And that is a, if, if you've got a firing Obama Yang, you've got a, a great um, uh, real powerhouse as far as goals are concerned up front. But what they needed to be a together team again, Arsenal, and it seemed to have recovered that. The, Arsenal, uh, the Tottenham game obviously gave them that platform to do so. Uh, I'm actually covering this game at the weekend, so I'm looking forward to it. And uh, not an easy place to go to, Brighton because they just work as a team. And it's interesting that Dean says they're not playing as well as last season, but they'll be more effective. Um, and I think at this part of the season, what you want is get the points on the board and get them as early as you possibly can. And Brighton with home advantage now are no pushover. I mean, it's going to be a tough one for Arsenal and it, it could be one that um, the break can, can turn them over. I'm not sure yet if this Arsenal side is still a little bit fragile and should they go behind, can they turn it around? Uh, so that could be the challenge for them this weekend. Definitely with Brighton, I think between box and box last season, they looked very attractive and very accomplished. It was just keeping the ball out of the net and sticking it in the net at the other end, which fundamentally is the, the most important thing in the game to, to score goals. Um, and they are starting to do that now. So fair play to Brighton. They've had a great start. They welcome Arsenal 5.30 Saturday. Going to go to another break after this next game. Spurs against Aston Villa, two o'clock start on Sunday. Spurs with a convincing win on Thursday night over relative unknowns N.S. Mura. Is that sort of morale-boosting victory enough to be the tonic they need after last week's derby loss? We've spoken about how Arsenal really swept them aside in the first 35 minutes of that game, Dean. So maybe smashing a relatively unknown European side uh, is exactly what they need to get the confidence back. It will definitely help, 100%. Winning football matches, whoever you play, will, will help with confidence, will help with belief. I mean, Harry Kane scoring a hat-trick will help as well because there's question marks over over him when he didn't go to Man City in the summer and his commitment to, to the football club. And that was highlighted at the weekend against Arsenal. 
But Tottenham are an interesting team. Uh, I listened to the manager's comments after the Arsenal game. You know, he was kind of discreetly blaming the players, but taking responsibility himself. And I, I don't quite like that. Um, I think the, the results at the beginning of the season when they won the first three 1-0 are a little bit misleading. I don't think the performances were brilliant, except for the Man City game. They were good in that. But the, the Wolves victory and the Watford victory, there were some question marks over that. And I just think there's a, a little bit of misunderstanding between how the manager wants to play and potentially how the players want to play. There's still a little bit of a hangover, I think, from Pochettino leaving. There's still that group of players. You look at Eric Dye, you look at Deli Ali, you look at Lloris, you look at Harry Kane. They love Pochettino so much. I think they just want that back and they want to play like that. But with a new manager coming in with new ideas, it's difficult. And he needs to win the players over. It's a little bit different. You know, in my day, you always had to win the manager over. Now it's more the other <laughs> way where the, the manager has to win the players over. So I think they'll be okay. And I'm not sure where... I'm not sure where Tottenham fit in this season. I think it'd be a, a progressive season, but I like the manager, so I hope he gets the opportunity. I feel sorry for Nuno Espirito Santo, really. I thought he dealt with the Kane situation, the transfer saga in the summer pretty well. I think he deflected the media questions as well as he could have hoped to have done. And actually, everyone knows that he wasn't first choice, and he knows that as well. And everyone says that. So I think it must be difficult for him, but he'll want to try and prove himself, as you say, Dean. Aston Villa, meanwhile, a big win away at Manchester United last weekend. They've got another big away game here at Spurs, Trevor. Do you think that they're consistent enough, Aston Villa, to be a top 10, even top 8 Premier League side? I think, I think they've got the potential to do that. I really do. I think Dean Smith has done miraculously well you know, to... Um, you know, obviously bring that money in for, for Jack Grealish. Well, Jack Grealish has been the heartbeat, hasn't he, of Aston Villa for, for the last two or three years, without a doubt. And then to take that away, but then to actually improve the team on the back of that, that's no mean challenge. And there's no doubt that he's, he's brought a more team-focused group together, you know, in those Aston Villa shirts. And I'm surprised. I have, I have to say the, the start to their season, uh, it looks full of purpose and belief. And they certainly took that to, to Man United and, and were excellent. Uh, credit to the manager, uh, credit to the players that have come in. You know, I thought, you know, Danny Ings, buying Danny Ings was just a steal of the century, really. Uh, because, you know, when you, I've listened to Danny Ings talk and he feels he's got so much left to give because he's missed so much of his career in, in injuries. Getting him at this moment in time was, was a perfect sort of antidote to losing Jack Grealish. Uh, but the squad works together well. They believe in each other. There's a camaraderie about it. Um, and Dean Smith is very popular with the players, which is absolutely vital uh, to uh, uh, having a collective going forward. And uh, Villa are going to be a, a tough game for anyone this season. And I can feel that like they're going to be consistent. And that if you get consistency in the Premier League, you're going to pick up enough points to, to finish top 10. Uh, if you're inconsistent, you're going to threaten yourself with relegation or being in that fight. I don't see Aston Villa anywhere near that this season. I see it. Um, it's quite a joyful uh, campaign uh, under Dean Smith this year. Spurs versus Aston Villa, two o'clock Sunday. Talking of consistency, we'll talk Palace against Leicester next. We'll do it after this here on The Dugout. The Dugout, Premier League preview, Football Social Daily. The Dugout, Premier League preview, Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the podcast. This is The Dugout from Football Social Daily. Why not hit subscribe? That way you won't miss an episode of the show again. We are the only Premier League podcast with a new episode every single day of the season. On today's Dugout, a full 10 Premier League fixtures to preview, of which there are four games left. And what we'll talk about now is Crystal Palace against Leicester at Selhurst Park, two o'clock kickoff on Sunday. Dean, we both watched the Leicester versus Legia game on Thursday night. They're struggling to win games at present. Meanwhile, Crystal Palace have a slightly different expectation with a new manager in Patrick Vieira coming in, taking over from the, the steady Eddie that was Roy Hodgson. But let's focus on Leicester just for the time being. What's going wrong there currently? Because it, it feels a little bit out of focus at the moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's definitely a lack of consistency now. I think consistency in, in the performance the team selection as well. I think like we just mentioned with, with Liverpool, with Van Dijk being such an important player, if you look at Leicester, Johnny Evans missing a huge miss. Fafana as well. I think those two were excellent last year for, for Leicester City. 
and give Leicester a lot. And it's just been inconsistent. It's been a little bit flat, if, if, if I'm honest. And it's taken them going a goal down, putting a, fir- a poor first half performance in to really kickstart the game for them. Because, you know, the Brighton game in the second half, they were brilliant. The Burnley game, um, it was a really entertaining game when they drew 2-2. But they're just a little bit open. They're caught in between. Caught in between, are we a team that's just going to outscore um, the opposition? Or are we going to try and defend and keep a clean sheet? So I'm not sure what the issue is, really. Um, but it's it's not like Leicester. It really isn't. You know, there's I think there's too many players trying to find their form within the group. You know, Tillemans is a fantastic player and has some fantastic moments, but again, has been a little bit sloppy in possession. I think Vestergaard is a, is a good signing, but he's trying to find his feet at the football club and hasn't performed too well. Um, so again, it's a little bit indifferent, but Jamie Vardy has got five goals already, so he's always a threat. Harvey Barnes is coming back from injury, is a threat and will get better and better. And then James Madison is is interesting. You know, he hasn't he's been in and out of the team, um, but he came on last night and I think he looked impressive. So I don't think there's a lot wrong at Leicester. I think it's a small detail, but something needs to change. And I'm not quite sure what that is yet. And if I'm honest, I think Brendan's struggling to figure out what it potentially is as well. I'd agree with that, especially what you say about Madison when he came on against Legia with you know Leicester chasing the game a goal behind. I think they certainly look more aggressive and more incisive when he did come on they face a Crystal Palace side who are are quite enjoying the green shoots of Patrick Vieira's reign as manager so far that will have hurt them not getting the full allocation of points against Brighton last week but certainly the fans I think are quite excited about what's to come with some of the young players there at Palace as well still yet to really show exactly what they're all about Crystal Palace against Leicester two o'clock start on Sunday kicking off at the same time at the London Stadium is West Ham against Brentford West Ham won their Europa League game on Thursday evening Declan Rice on the score sheet again showing exactly how good he is and how important he is for West Ham and Saeed Benrahma also scored in that game Trevor he'll come up against his former club in a Brentford side who have made a confident start to the Premier League season I wanted to ask you what's that like when that happens when you come up against a a former employer so to speak is there extra determination from a player's perspective well you're asking the wrong person do you know why because I never ever played against any of my previous employers uh, and I actually made career choices and I never wanted to do that. How, how weird is that? Wow. Uh, so, uh, Dean, you must have played against some of your uh, clubs. I have, yeah. So I, I don't know what it's like, but I would, I would, I knew that I didn't want to, right? So that's one way of looking at is it. Is that a sentimental thing, Trevor, you think? or? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, sentimentality probably is the only emotion that you can actually put it towards because otherwise you know you're a professional player you you go and you know play for the team that you're that's employing you but you know I was at Burnley and I never played in the top flight with Burnley but played in the championship as it is now uh, and then Everton uh, and I could have gone to Man United from Everton but I decided I wanted to I didn't want to play against Everton I'd been there for six seven years and I, I'd had such a great time there so I went up to Scotland so I didn't have to play against anybody and, and of course <laughs> Then I went to France, so I wasn't playing against anybody there either. And then I went back to Rangers. So anyway, to cut a long story short, I never experienced it. And it was sentiment a sentimental decision, I think, on my behalf. So Dean, what is it like? <laughs> Do you know what, Trevor? I think that's brilliant. You doing that, I think that's fantastic. I think you show huge respect towards your, your football club. I, I think that's great. I mean, yeah. in terms of myself, um, mixed emotions, really. Um, but I think it all depends on how you've left the club, your previous club and what uh, your relationship is with the football club and how it worked out. I left on a bad note when I left Brighton, you know, in terms of with, with the club and with the fans. So when I came back and played against them a couple of times, I was very, very determined, emotionally attached to the result and performance. And it was difficult, never really played well against them. Um, I remember scoring a goal for Southampton against Brighton and, and actually regrettably now celebrated in front of the Brighton fans which didn't go down too well um, but yeah I apologise for, for that as we move forward but you know sometimes you can enjoy it as well because you know when I went back to Southampton got a brilliant reception anytime I've gone back to Leicester didn't play against Leicester after leaving but gone back and worked for the club or gone to the game you, you do get a good reception and it's really, really nice, but it can bring a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of anger, and it's mm. it's a really emotional day, even if you try not to be. I think 
I think Wayne Rooney's mentioned it a couple of times that Everton, any time you played against Everton or like Liverpool as a rival, he didn't perform very, very well. So we can. Yeah, Alex Ferguson didn't pick Wayne Rooney against Everton in the end because he's, I'm not picking you because you rubbish against them. Right, so it can affect all players. Uh, I, I say I haven't experienced it, but I can get that you build yourself up so much that you can actually lose sight of your game somehow and and not perform to your best. Do you tell your teammates, Dean, when that happens? Do you say, listen, lads, I really want to beat these. Obviously, you want to win every game. But do you say, come on, boys, give it a little extra 5% for me? You probably do. You probably, yeah, you probably do mention it one or two times. They probably saw from the first tackle that I would put in there. It meant, <laughs> it meant a little bit more. But um, I don't know, really. I think as a professional, you want to win every game. But there's just a little bit more importance on it. I think your, your personality changes a little bit, if I'm honest. I think times when I played against my previous clubs, I may have been a little bit opposite. I might have been a bit more quieter, you know, just really trying to concentrate on the game, but got too involved, too emotional. You, Trevor will tell you better than anyone. When you go out on the pitch, you've got to feel free. You've got to be wanting to just concentrate in the moment and play on the game. But when you're not and you're distracted by, oh, what's the crowd thinking of me? Oh, I wish I could score today. Or I hope I play well. You're not there. You're drifting and you're distracted. So, it, yeah. Very rarely did I put a good performance in against the previous club. Fascinating insight, to be fair, from both of you two. Ben Rama facing his former club, West Ham take on Brentford. That should be a good entertaining game as well between two London clubs from West and East, respectively. Final two games we're going to discuss, and we'll do it quickly. Wolves against Newcastle, three o'clock Saturday. Wolves, we mentioned them earlier on, beat Southampton last week in a much-needed victory, and they could inflict damage on another slow starter in Newcastle this weekend. Lots of talk about Newcastle United, Trevor. They should have beat Watford last Last week they had a chance late on which they couldn't take how important is it that they don't get over reliant on the likes of Sam Axaman or Wilson because it feels like Newcastle without those two players are a different team and not for the better yeah it's a struggle isn't it up at Newcastle you know whenever Newcastle United are mentioned it, it tends to be a negative story of some sort um, and that can only add pressure to to the playing squad and and Steve Bruce is just continually having to, you know, batter away difficult questions and um, trying to get the best out of his players. It's still early in the season. And if they could get some consistency, and you say they do focus around, particularly Sam Maxim, who, who's a game changer for them, uh, they, need to get, uh, they need to get a result, get three points in the bag. And it, it'll change. It can do that at Newcastle United. It can change very, very quickly as far as the mood is concerned. Uh, but another negative result, and then you know the the jungle drums will be out for you know Steve Bruce's head. So yeah, it is what it is at Newcastle United. Expectation of the fans is well in, uh, excessive to what their capability is because they just don't have a deep squad. Uh, yeah, it's got some good players, but are they good enough to to challenge in the Premier League? Are they good enough? Definitely not. Are they good enough to survive in the Premier League? Probably will be in the end. But it's not going to be pretty, you know, so um, I, I hope it turns around for them, you know. So uh, I've, I've always been, you know, as Steve Bruce is one of the old school of, of management uh, and, and he's an Englishman. And I, I like the fact that he's a Newcastle United fan. He's, he's, he's ahead of Newcastle. If you can get success in Newcastle as a manager, I'll tell you what, you'll go down, down in history as an absolute legend. But it's such a difficult task. You'll never buy a beer again, I think, is, is, <laughs> is, is the yeah. thinking behind that. They travel to Wolves, do Newcastle, three o'clock Saturday. Taking place at three o'clock Saturday, also our final game, match 10 of the Premier League weekend, Leeds against Watford. I want to focus more on Watford, Dean, because I think Leeds will be OK in the end. They do have defensive worries and injuries at the back, which has resulted in some youngsters being called up to the first team squad. I think they'll be fine. They've got a manager who they love over at Ellen Road in Marcelo Bielsa. But what about Watford, I think they've surprised a few so far. They've been resilient and they've not really rolled over uh, too many times. They've been in most games quite competitively. How hard is that to maintain? Is that something you just learn as a side or something that you're determined to to improve on, that resilience as a team? I think both, No, if I'm honest. I think uh, resilience definitely comes with experience. Um, it comes within, within the group and it comes within the personality of the group and what the manager expects. I agree with you. I think Watford will be okay. I think they've got enough goals in them. I think they've got enough experience in them. If you go back to the Newcastle game, Ben Foster was brilliant, made some fantastic saves. Cathcart at the back has got previous um, Premier League experience and international experience. Saar as, as a forward is, is exciting and can create things. I think Josh King is a is a good signing. I think he'll come good. Uh, the Troy Deeney 
leaving a football club is an interesting one because I think you always want experienced players within the dressing room to help you in certain situations during the season. But I think they've got a, a settled team, you know, cleverly, Sissoko in midfield, workhorses, are decent players. And I think they'll have enough of the Premier League. I don't think they're going to have an amazing season, but I think they'll definitely stay up and they'll they'll cause a few surprises. And they've had some OK performances, and especially at home. You know, the victory against Aston Villa on the first game of the season kind of set the time for them. Definitely. Well, might they surprise Leeds this weekend? We'll find out three o'clock on Saturday. And that draws a line under the dugout for today, our Premier League preview show on Football Social Daily. Dean will let you rush off and get the uh, get the dentist appointment, Get lean back in the chair. You're not going to do a gazer, are you, by any chance? <laughs> no, I wish. That would be a good trip to the dentist. <laughs> Great to speak to you again, Dean. Great to have you on, Trevor. Enjoy the game this weekend. Uh, how's life been since you've been back in the UK, by the way, uh, swapping the uh, Middle East warmth for the wet weather of the UK? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly adapting to it, uh, but I, I do believe that autumn is now fully on us <laughs> and I can't expect any sun rays between now and next April, I've been told. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, I'll, I'll uh, hunker down, uh, get some waterproofs and I should be fine. Yeah, make sure you get those vitamin D supplements in as well. I think you probably need yeah. it. Uh, thanks, Dean. Thanks, Trevor. I'm Niall. Thank you for your company on today's podcast. Don't forget hit subscribe you won't miss another one Fergal Brennan and the gang will be back on Sunday looking back at all 10 of these Premier League games with a full rundown of the results and how the games went so make sure you hit subscribe as I say and you won't miss that but that's it for now and we'll catch you again next time The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily Judy was boring Hello Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com It's my little escape Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions and... Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit